0: Hi and welcome to the Museums and Galleries of New South Wales podcast. Museums and Galleries of New South Wales acknowledges the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and all the other traditional custodians on the lands of which we live and work. We pay our respect to them as First Nations people with continuing connection to the land, place, waters and community. In episode two, we will hear part two of the conversation with Liam and Chittam about their work
1: and the themes of the exhibition
0: my name is Liam Benson
1: hi my name's Shida me
0: the idea of, ge- of just any kind of gender binary or expectation or or like common narrative being challenged really excites me that's why that's why i feel like thinking about your performance i feel really emotionally charged cuz like if my hero if i were to imagine them would be a female and yeah. You know, and I love the idea. Yeah, I love the idea. Yeah, because I kind of feel like in my head, like, or in my life experience, I think the people who have really fought for me and the people, yeah, who, like, have really been there for me and have been my life heroes, have all been women. So, yeah, I really love that. And, yeah, I just, like, I know a bunch of amazing women as well who wear scarves and just they're the most incredible people some of the most incredible people I've ever met and yeah so I get really excited about that and um yeah I think about yeah like my gender identity and 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 being male and you know my my constant ongoing relationship with like what that means uh yeah definitely channeling that in my work and uh, you know I love I love when I do a studio portrait, which is it doesn't happen that often, but you know I always really I really play on that like I, I make sure that I'm surrounded by you know these materials that you know are commonly thought of as very feminized um, materials and very feminized processes and um, I love talking about it, you know with uh, you know I love. I love going to like craft stores and I, you know, connecting with other makers and other artists and and often they're women and they're. I've had many an occasion where people have said to me, oh, "It's really nice to see a man, you know, working with these materials and and passionate and and you know, you know, in, involved and engaged in this process." And um, like I don't think I'm doing anything too radical, but at the same time, I guess specialising in these materials is, um, a li- it's, it's, I guess it's going a little bit against the grain. And I really, yeah.
1: I just thought I was going to say that it's refreshing, you know. Oh. It's so nice and refreshing to see someone, you know, break the mould a little bit and, and and create space for gender identities that are so complex and, um,
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're so right. They're so complex and there just are so many people out there who haven't been given space or time to embrace the complexity of their own gender identity and you know this is it's it's one of my focuses within my practice i work on it every day and i think about it every day and like it's still new all the time and and exciting and and always and and it's still challenging like i think that's a good sign when when i you know still feel a little bit uncomfortable about it or haven't figured out the proper way to speak about it or you know i think that's really good but um i guess that's why doing a participatory performance was so important and sharing those materials because I think that there are lots of people with different gender experiences who would would totally jolt with a a laborious and time-consuming and meditative making process like embroidery. It doesn't have to be embroidery, it could be weaving, it could be, you know, whatever, like... But yeah, it's sad that we don't, there's often, there's just not, there just hasn't been a a time or a place for somebody to sit down and give it a go. Mm -hmm. So when I would set up the table and I would um, lay down the map and then put like a clear organza over the top of it, so you could still see all the detail and then ask somebody to just really spend time looking at the map, thinking about the areas, reading the names, um, and then chatting to people about it and then choosing a colour of bead and sequin to come and apply, you know, however many you like, like you can do one or you could do a whole bunch, you can spend hours with me or you could spend five minutes. But then another significant part of that was me then teaching them how to sew that bead and sequin. And I always think of it as like super, super simple. But of course, if you've never done embroidery before, um, you know, for some people, it was really complex, and 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 I think that that also it was lovely seeing them go from fumbling and you know not understanding you know or wrapping their head around you know the tension of the thread and mm-hmm. you know uh, go sequin then bead, but then you go just back through the sequin, you don't go back through the bead, and <laughs> you know and like where, oh oh how does they need it will come back up again? Like it was really lovely mixing, you know. Uh, and almost like, well, I guess looking at the map was like it was academic, it was spiritual, it was memory, it was, you know, it was all these different things. Like, like maps, I think they're really exciting because they just they just hold so many stories and they they have so many layers to them. And then I guess mixing that experience with this Quite, you know, cognitively technical thing. Like, you know, and I, this is the other thing. Like, all the people who, who we do associate these materials with, um, you know, and, and like, um, I guess most of the time they are women, and you know, a lot of the time those women would be, um, you know, have a family, or you know, have a, you know, be and and like those making, strategic, you know, practices came from, um. You know, sometimes necessity. You know, and like, um, yeah. I just, I, 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 hope that somehow by just allowing people to tap into that and experience it, it, it helps them value that culture and value that practice, and um, and and actually tap into as well. Where has that come from? And who is practicing that? Why has that been practiced? Um, and then also now, how is it playing a role? within our everyday lives, because, like, if you were to ask somebody, you know, when do you sit around with people and make something, you know, like, I think the only time would be maybe holidays where, and it might be food, like, but really, these days, we just, you know, I don't really think there's a lot of space to do that. Um, No. Yeah. So it was sort of nice moments there.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And, you know, um, what you're doing can sometimes be seen as frivolous, Mm. you know, but when people sit down to actually practise it, you know, it is is technical. It is something to learn, you know. So, um, yeah, and it's a shame that, you know, we don't all have access to that kind of knowledge, that it becomes so gendered, you know. Um, I forgot to mention that in the ride um, it's not only the motorbike experience but so this this very very big scarf that I had tucked into my leather jacket I um, like 30 seconds into the performance while the fans are going I take it out of my jacket and throw it into the air and it, it flies and whirls in the air as I'm having this, doing this performance with a participant. So there is that fabric element of it, like I was saying at the beginning. Um, And it's huge and it's flying in the air. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's interesting how people for some reason can't associate um, fabric when it's in relation to a veil. They can't associate that with beauty. You know, I remember like ten years ago or so, a student of mine was doing a um, an essay uh, 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 on photojournalism, and um, there was a photograph of a woman in Afghanistan, and she was wearing a veil, and you know, it was billowing, but it was also in a in a community market, and you know, there were, the colors were so rich and beautiful, and it was, it was actually quite a, a really beautiful, exciting image, and. The first thing, and I totally understand, you know, kids just pull from what they assume, you know, in popular culture, the immediate reference was to war and her suffering and, you know, poor thing, you know, women's rights in Islam, oh, it's not good, you know. Um, So... Yeah. And I just, you know, I had to get some assistance from another teacher to award marks for, you know, the the things that were there because I was just not dealing with that, you know, I mean, but there is so much beauty you know, in, in fabric and veil wearing. And I think when you're wearing the veil and in a culture of veil wearing, you're seeing that beauty, you're touching it, you're manipulating it. It's a part of your everyday life. So, you know, in some ways I think my work or I'm trying to look at that beauty and uh, and make that a bit more more front and centre even if it's exaggerated, in an exaggerated form, you know.
0: I kind of get the feeling that that we're both working, we're we're both talking about things that are really hard to talk about and that are fraught with, uh, you know, potential for harm and also like a lot of trauma, uh, you know, and also, you know, dealing with stuff like ignorance and, yeah. but. We're using our materials as, like, this way. Like, uh, even the way you, you were talking about, like, you know, when you were performing with somebody, you would make sure you connected with them. And, uh, and, like, there's such an amazing connection that comes with the way that you're you're just saying this fabric, this is fabric, and this fabric is beautiful, and this fabric holds meaning. And also, um, yeah, like, like, you're just offering somebody, like, I feel like you're offering people just this really simple moment of going, calm down. It's yeah. just
1: beautiful. Yeah, yeah I think um, when I've seen your work, Liam, um, the, you know, it's, it's really um, it's so delicate and it's shimmering, you know, so it really does change as you walk around it and mm. um, it just makes me think of something that's delicate and something important, you know, that we need to take care of.
0: Mm. Um, mm. Yeah,
1: it just invites that kind of, attention you know to mm. how it was made but also what you're representing and the importance that it has
0: mm. it's
1: the vulnerability that you're exposing as well
0: that's that's a great word because i really especially when i was whenever i work with the flag i think about the vulnerability around that you know, because being a white male, like I'm, I feel so blessed with this ex- this this life and this experience. Because being queer has has given me such amazing contrast, and I've learned so much from it. You know, but like most of my upbringing, you know, you know, like being an invisible, you know, you know, blend into the crowd, white person. You know, it's just like I've I've seen and heard it all. You know, and, and i like, and I see it on a daily basis. The, you know, all the all the all the yeah, the kind of Worst and best of, 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 um, I guess, whiteness and and uh, and colonialism and um, you know other, you know, negative influences that, that 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 our reality is is actually built on, and so the flag really represents that, and that and it's and it's difficult because there are people that feel really emotionally connected and you know like, like I was thinking before, like we just we really you know, we have a lot of culture, we have a lot of diverse culture that's talking to each other, but also we've I don't know, I just there's something something going on with us where where we've um whitewashing other people. And we've also mm-hmm. whitewashed ourselves and so we're in this situation where, you know, we, we kind of cling to things that, that that give us some kind of hope or give us or offer some sort of new direction or could could represent you know what what honor means to us, or you know other important values, and then I understand that that flag represents so many other things as well, and it's hugely problematic. And I feel like it's you know it's been it's sometimes it's I make I think it's staring us in the face <laughs> of just how problematic it is, and and it's such a clear indicator of you know some symptomatic you know issues that we've got to we've got to rethink and, and readdress. So by simply, you know, approaching it and, and talking about it can be really difficult. And again, yeah, with sequins, it's this beautiful light. It's, you know, sequins are playful, sequins are camp, sequins are, you know, um, they're not serious, you know. <laughs> yeah, and like you could dismiss sequins. You go, sequence? That's a, you know, like that's a silly medium, um, you know, or that's just, you know, like playful. But it allows us a moment to... To stop it and rethink about um, the depth and the seriousness and the um, of 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 those symbols and what they represent, and they're really hard. They're really hard for people to 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 stop and think and unpack because of guilt, because of fear and and uncertainty. It's like once you start to unpack those things, it's you're on a journey and you can't really. You can't really tap out of that once you start down that journey.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally relate to that. I mean, I think part of my practice is also, uh, what do you call that word when you're releasing? Cathartic, you know, it can be cathartic in the sense that you're exploring your truth Um and, you know, creating this alternative reality and and sharing that with other people. And that can be really powerful, you know, when you can think of an alternative reality, you know. Often we're so stuck and we can't see beyond our immediate experiences that it can be suffocating at times, you know. So it's important and we're lucky, you're right, in being able to explore some of those things with our bodies and, you um, with materials. Um, like for me, I, I really like the idea of our bodies as occupied territories and, and how do we decolonize our bodies and make that available to our audience so that they can do the same with their own. By the way, that's not my concept. That's <laughs> by uh, an amazing American artist, Guillermo Gomez-Pena. And um, yeah, just unpacking how my body is colonised and how how that um, enacts itself in my day to day life, and how that limits me in some ways, and um, and and what what what's possible with my body, you know, if I wasn't colonized, what could I do? What what would it feel like to not be colonized? And so I, I think it's a really powerful place to come from. You do performance as well, and enacting that uh, imagination through your body is really powerful and and for me also humour plays a big part of it because, you know, it's so pow- empowering to be able to laugh at something that can be so traumatic in some ways, you know, to be able to just laugh and cool that um, negative energy can be really powerful and also um, it does that for audiences as well. Like I was actually quite surprised early on in my career that other people laughed at my works as well.
0: It's what, it's what, it's what pings my excitement. It's what clicks for me as well. yeah, when I see uh, art um, and performances and work that, that, yeah, like that just says it without words. You know, I think about the installations and experiences that I've had with your work um, and I, I, I love that, yeah, that there were two experiences. There's our gallery experience of seeing your work and watching your work and also that very, very lucky experience of people having that, being able to perform with you. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I feel like it's almost like we talked about the glance across the room before, like that fun moment. I feel like that performance to me sounds like an extended version of that. It's like you're on the bike together and it's like, yeah, we're in this. Yeah, we're yeah. in this together. Yeah, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. No, absolutely. It's it brings people together, and it you know ignites this kind of joy and um, and pleasure that you know might not be immediately experienced. You know, being queer or being Muslim or. Um, but yeah, and, I, and also, you know, joy is kind of infectious, isn't it? Feelings are infectious. So when you create this feeling, you're kind of spreading it and inviting people along this journey. And um, yeah, it was interesting to see the people that would really get into it, you know, that would really love that experience of letting go and um, the relief that it gave them, you know, sitting behind the bike and and some people that were still reticent and sitting back. Um, Yeah, it was interesting. But another work of yours that I really love is the um, performance, the video performance where you're in the gown and the gun and you're Mm -hmm. running through this landscape and... (laughs) That always just brings a smile to my face, you know, because I love the way you're performing. It's so earnest, you know. And uh, and you're dealing with this landscape that is so familiar to us in pub- in these movies and, you know, these really traditional films that we hold on to as our, you know, iconic Australian films. And um, I just, yeah, it was really fun. I loved it.
0: I just think it's it's all of it. All of this is new. This is all brand new. Every, all these experiences coming together. Everything we're doing is all made up. But and it it just makes me laugh that there are so many things that, that we keep doing over and over again where when there's so much possibility, you know, and you're talking about your your role that you were playing on the bike, you were, you were the hero. And Mrs. Boss from Mrs. Boss slays the malevolent scoundrel, you know, she was my hero. She was like my like, if I had a hero, that's, you know, that's, that's who she would be. If I had, like, a superhero, she would be this gun-toting, you know, um, woman of, woman of, you know, who knows, you know, I like, I wanted to, I also, like, was thinking, I want to, I, you know, I'm going to play, I'm going to play a female character who's running around the, the natural landscape and is completely unafraid, is totally in control. As a matter of fact, she's a protector of it and she's, you know, somebody's been causing, causing trouble. So she's, she 's going to go take care of it, um, and yeah, like uh, uh, it was exciting to also really it was just another excuse to to show that landscape as well, yeah, which is familiar and that 's the Monaro landscape, and it 's my sister 's property in numerella and it 's like I love it so much, you know, and I just think like I love that we 're both offering these these like passion we 're just beautiful things. And, you know, we're, we're using them to talk about subjects that that, that some people have seem to have a lot of trouble wrapping their head around it. And we're just, we're through the works. We're just saying, well, I know you've got a problem with this, but there's this really beautiful thing that you're missing out on. By focusing on the negative, you're missing out on this gorgeous thing. And so here it is in an artwork. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was really lovely. Yeah, like, you know, we haven't really actually had that many moments of to actually sit together and draw these connections. It's been really joyous doing that.
1: Absolutely. I think there's a lot of um, threads and similar interests and, you know, we've got really, you know, um, yeah, I think there are themes and threads that carry between our works. And we haven't had this chance, so I've really enjoyed it.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Museums and Galleries of New South Wales podcast.